Hey guys, welcome to Bagging Broadcast, episode number 421. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out September 30th, 2020. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're going to be taking a look back at some of the comic books we picked up in the month of August 2020. Uh, we'll be discussing Batman Three Jokers, number one, The Dreaming Waking Hours, number one, Seven Secrets, number one, and Shazam, number 14? Yeah, yeah, number 14. Not, not number one? Three, a curveball. It's a curveball. Shazam, number 14, the book that just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> and something else that we just keep going is our uh, history of alcoholism. I don't know. We're drinking beers again, always. We're functional. <laughs> we're functional alcoholism. Functional. Uh, and uh, this week, we're all starting off as pineapple boys. Yeah. I, I'm doing a pineapple sour, a peach and pineapple sour. How about you two? I'm having... I'm having a pineapple blueberry sour. I'm having a pineapple Berliner Weiss with pineapple cherry, vanilla, hazelnut, and milk sugar. Ooh, you got the most going on, Chris. You go first. I got the most going on because I'm drinking the Upside Down from uh, Hidden Springs Aleworks in Tampa, Florida. A brew we've gone to on the show. We had multiple things from them. I get to find some of their stuff at my local beer store every now and then. This was a recent release from them. I saw they had it, and I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to pick that up. So I bought myself a four-pack. This is actually the fourth one of these that I've had. Because uh, it's, like everything else we've had from there, it's just a nice, crisp, tart, flavorful beer. Um, a lot of pineapple right up front. And as you're going to take your sip, you're kind of getting that vanilla and hazelnut sweetness on the nose, too. It's really great. Uh I really dig this. I put it at a four because it's very good, very drinkable. It's just that tart kind of keeps you from going back to get another sip of it. I think that's coming from that cherry on the back end there. But uh, I picked up a second four pack of these two. So next time I send you guys a beer, uh, you'll both be getting one of these mm, as well. Nice. So uh, I figured this is probably the only time I'll be able to find it. So I might as well grab it for you now. And uh, your brewery's semi-local to you, Chris, but from a local brewery here in Buffalo, I am drinking Purple Pineapple Eaters from Resurgence Brewery, fruited sour with pineapple and blueberry and lactose, uh, 5%, and this is really delicious. This has got that, like, cinnamony kind of ness to it that makes it, like, when we had those sour at... Um, the brewery you were just talking about, Chris, that I Hidden can't Springs. remember. Name. Hidden Springs. We had those those like uh, blackberry pie sours where it kind of tasted like you're tasting crust. This has that kind of vanilla y cinnamony kind of taste to it. Um, the blueberry is very present. The pineapple is kind of on the back end with the the sharp tart, like it's it's there with it. Um, Really nice for a twelve ninety nine four pack sour. Uh, I don't think you can really go wrong with that. Um, just really, really nice, pleasant, uh, good drinking beer. Paul, I'm drinking. Uh, we talked about it on the last show, but I'm now drinking from that variety pack from Hamburg Brewery Company. 
not a seltzer sour. This is our peach pineapple sour ale. Uh, 5.1% alcohol by volume. So I guess that's what seltzers are. Like the hard seltzers are like 5%, right? Yeah, four and a half to five. Okay. Um, this is a okay sour, just like uh, their Blackberry Goza. Um, Hamburg does a passable job with the sours, I think. Um, they're kind of hit or miss. The Key Lime one was really good. But um, I'm not getting much peach from it. And the pineapple, I guess, is the tartness that's coming through. Um, but other than that, uh, it's kind of a pass for me. It's I'm glad it came in the variety pack, but that's two sours in that variety pack, one stout and one lager. Lager was decent, and the stout's okay, but like yeah, I would pass by this party pack altogether because I think you would you leave can, the party early. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's exactly. Uh, I think there's other variety packs that are better, and I'm going to say it again that Harpoon variety pack of uh, the Fantasy League party pack. That one, that one's the go-to right now for like if you're looking to fill your your fridge with a uh, with one of those. So it's okay, Harp- not great. Harpoon's got a new variety pack coming out. Um, should be this week. It's with Dunkin' Donuts, so they have like a um a Dunkin' coffee pumpkin beer. They have like a strawberry cream ale made with like jelly filled donuts there's like a boston cream pie porter made with like the boston cream uh donuts and like um i think just sort of like a regular coffee one it sounds pretty good their duncan beers that they've done in the last couple years have all been pretty good so i think it's a, a worth worth a peek into that pack to try those beers because the only one you'll be able to buy as a six pack is the pumpkin coffee beer good to know i don't think i can get harpoon stuff down here but it's obviously something i would keep my eye out for i mean you might be getting a a box sent to you from us so maybe you'll get some of those beers that'd be groovy talking about coffee beers i saw on the shelf again uh from the gang's Three philosophers with coffee and blueberry, and that wasn't yeah, that one was good. And was it yeah, with coffee last year, or was it just with blueberry last year? It was with coffee, Paul. That's the same beer. It's the same beer. Okay, it's yeah, the same okay. beer from from last year. Okay. I wasn't going to buy it because I'm like I don't remember it being better than Three Philosophers. No, no, because I remember picking it up because I was excited about. Because I'm like, oh, awesome! Thank you. And no, no, coming Not out. Coming out from them, you'll have the Three Philosophers with um, Al Smith's Speedway Stout. The Ooh. blend of those two should be good. That'll be good. Sounds real good. But anyone else is good. The news? The news. We're going to uh, sit on out in the news garden and, and harvest for you today. Yeah, we're going to harvest some trailers. Going to harvest it up. Because, guys, it's coming out October 30th, but we finally got our first trailer for The Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, I was nervous about season two because they've got a lot to live up to after that first one, but it seems to me like they're probably going to be able to do it again. Yeah, the voiceovers take lifted directly from yeah. one, so <laughs> we're okay. <laughs> it's not like they're going far afield here, even though it looks like uh, Mandalorian is going to go far afield with the uh, the child. Uh, 
going to a bunch of different planets. Some, I'm guessing, will be known. Some that are all new. It looks like we're going to Tatooine again because you get to see the Tusken Raiders again. Mm-hmm. Possibly Hoth? I don't know. Because they're, up, they're on an ice planet. Could be just to keep going. Maybe he's on the the trail of like the last known Jedi with Luke Skywalker and he's just trying to pick up those those threads. Yeah. Uh, I think the best thing is the X-Wings. Yeah. <laughs> we get to see the X-Wings. There might be a dogfight between them. They're, they look like they're escorting, but it also looks like they're fighting. Uh, I saw one fan analysis saying that's that was actually Red 5's X-Wing, like all the markings match, and I'm like, yeah, that's a really bad still. And you're basically really stretching there. But. Yeah. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. No, it, it looks great. Um, first season performed really well, not just critically and commercially, but uh, we had the Emmys this past week, too, and Mandalorian Season 1 won, I think it was 6 total, uh, all technical, but it got outstanding music composition, outstanding stunt coordination, outstanding special visual effects, outstanding cinematography for a single, single camera show, outstanding sound mixing, outstanding production design. So, yeah, I mean, those are all things that it did incredibly well, so like, I, I agree. Uh, Darth Vader is very upset because he wanted to see that award uh, presented live, alive, uh, with no technicalities. Instead of uh, no disintegrations. No disintegrations. Once a lot. You tried. No disintegrations. Uh, also announced we got our lineup for directors that are going to be handling the episodes in season two. And oh, these their... are names I'm not going to know. But no, these, these are names you're going to know. Because uh, making his directorial debut. On the Mandalorian, is it, not directorial. Is it Brad but Burton? debut on the Mandalorian? Uh, John Favreau. He actually didn't direct any of the episodes, but he will be directing a season two episode. Uh, we'll have Carl Weathers mm. co-directing with him. So there you go. Uh, we have Dave Filoni handling an episode again uh, from Mandalorian season one. Rick Famuyiwa is coming back. He did the second episode with the weird Jawa egg. <laughs> I still think it's like a weird episode, but it's still cool. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard coming back. And then making their debuts in the Star Wars universe, we have Peyton Reed, who we know from Ant-Man. Okay. As well as Robert Rodriguez, who... Spy Kids and better <laughs> movies. They come to school. But yeah, I think, again, a great batch of directors. A lot of them definitely proved themselves previously on the show. And, you know, Fabro and... Uh, what's her name? Kathleen Kennedy trusting them, bringing them back on for season two because they know they can deliver. So, yeah. All fires are still like All fires are cylinders. Um, yep. I was looking... <laughs> Sorry, my cat jumped on and scared uh, me. <laughs> when the trailer came out and we were, like, shooting some comments back and forth, like, I just kind of was, like, looking around because we were like, well, that the one figure we thought looked like um, Rosario Dawson... So then we were like, oh, she doesn't look like she's got the horns. Is it her? And I went on to find out that uh, the person in the trailer, what, it wasn't her. But also, it seems like everything that came from in that trailer is all the first episode. Uh, just because all the, at least hmm. the action scenes. Because, like, in the first episode, those wrestler guys are credited. Where you see them in that, that wrestling match thing. Um and some of the other people who are 
listed are only in that first episode. So it seems like that first trailer or that trailer that we got is just going to be like from the first episode. At least that's what I I gather from my small amount of research I did. Um, I was thinking like back to the first trailer that we got. And I think a lot of that did come from the first episode too, like Mandalorian in the bar, like trying to bring in the bounty, like Grief Karga, um, Carl Weathers' character, the Werner Herzog stuff. So I think they might have done the same thing, yeah. Uh, it's nice to see in this trailer that maybe Mando has finally <laughs> learned how to fight and not get his butt kicked. Like, you know, it seems like he clears out that place and he doesn't look like he's all beaten up. So, hey, improvement. He gained enough experience in season one. He he completely upgraded his armor and now he's, yeah, uh, he's got a higher now. item level. So he, he can head into the next the next batch of content. Mm-hmm. He was in a brawler's ring. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But that's not the only trailer we got this past week. Uh, we finally got our first look at WandaVision coming out on Disney Plus, and this is the continuation of the Scarlet Witch and Vision story from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Was not expecting this to come out, uh, but man, I'm so glad they put this trailer out because I was incredibly hyped for this after seeing like all this brand new footage. Yeah, how cool is the Vision's like <laughs> Halloween costume? Like when he's like, looks like he's out and during Halloween and he's got like a hoodie on that matches his you know skin tone and everything. And I'm like, dude, I would like that costume. Could I pull that off? No, but I would still like it. I mean, if Paul Bettany can pull it off, you can yeah. probably pull it off. You're both Pauls. We are, but he is taller and a lot more chiselly handsome. He's got that very angular, you know, everything about him. Mm-hmm. Everything's kind of angular about his face construction. He's got good cheekbones. He also doesn't do a weekly <laughs> podcast where he drinks all the time, too, so that could yeah, be good. You know, that might or may not have anything to do with it. Uh, definitely seems to be throwing a bunch of curveballs. Like, mm-hmm. I still don't know what's going on. It seems like she's in her own reality and can cast people out of it. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm also worried about who is in the reality with her. Because they seem to be... Because in the very beginning, like, you got the one guy, like, but why? Why? You know, asking questions strongly. Um, and that is, there is that one scene where the woman's being cast out, and then she ends up on a field, and that is uh, Monica Rambeau mm-hmm. from from uh, uh, Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> John. Also know, in Next Wave, Agents of Hate. Yeah. Uh, so, don't know what is happening if, like, if this is like a Truman Show kind of thing, where uh, Shield has set her in this kind of reality to keep her powers kind of like only in I this think, like pocket dimension. I think it's something that she created, and she's pulled these people mm-hmm. in, and they're maybe realizing what's going on because you have that moment too where you see the woman in the car and Paul Bentley. The Vision touches her, and there's a little spark, and then she's like, kind of. She's kind of and out of her trance on. with him. So I think. Yeah, I think these are people that she like brought in to like fill roles in her created universe to try to like nurse him back to health or like get him acclimated to being alive. And, again. Um, I think you're going to, it's going to take some beats from Tom King's vision. It just has that kind of feel to it. 
Yeah. A little spooky feel. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it in uh, December. In yes. It's coming soon. Who knows? Yeah, they, they haven't put out a date, but they did also mention uh, that uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon won't be coming out until uh. next year now. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, just confirmed today, Loki's beginning production again. So hopefully we don't have too much of a gap in between all this. Um, not something that I had written down for news, but there's also announced today, too, Black Widow pushback till May next year. So now that's yeah. going to be the summer release for 2021. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 20, May, May 2021 isn't looking any better than this month. Like, but maybe, maybe honestly. Like everything that they were doing with the journals, maybe we'll still get that. Like November, I don't. Well, know. What were Probably like not. the numbers that like Mulan has done for streaming online? Is almost this for what for people paying for it is almost the same as what Tenant did in the theaters. I don't know if they announced the no- I haven't seen the numbers, so I don't know. Yeah, they Disney hasn't released the numbers, but I think there was... I can't remember what website it was, or it was some company that uh, tracks, like, downloads of, like, like programming and applications, purchased. and they were able to see, like, uh, Disney Plus app had more downloads this month than it did previously, so they're attributing that to something like... Uh, Mulan coming up because previously they were able to track it for when Hamilton released and they saw like a huge spike because people wanted to see Hamilton. But again, it doesn't really constitute that all the people that downloaded the app bought Mulan because how many people, even though they were beating it overhead, people probably didn't know you had to pay that extra 30 bucks for it. Look at the pre-order for Xbox one uh, series X and all the people that ordered Xbox one X. Yeah. See that? So many people on Best Buy and also Amazon ordered this year's, this generation's Xbox, even though they were probably shopping for. Well, we can because that's the next thing that I had written down is we finally got the release dates and price uh, prices for uh, the new systems Xbox and PlayStation. Still not up in, uh, still not interested in buying a new console. Um. um. With the stuff that's coming out and the games that have already been released that I'll be able to play on these systems, I'm a little bit more leaning towards picking something up finally. Mm-hmm. As much as I really want to get the new Xbox because it is completely backwards compatible, I'll be able to play all my old Xbox 360 games on it. If I pick up any Xbox One games, they'll work on that. If I find anything for original Xbox, I can play that too. It's a really cool feature. I also think it's a little bit more like value per dollar than the Sony system. Mm-hmm. There's more stuff coming out for the Sony one that I want, like that Hogwarts Legacy game, because that's something I'm going to want to play. Miles Morales. Spider-Man looks great. Um, um, and that's the thing, but if I go for the digital-only version of the Xbox, I'm not going to have that backwards compatibility. Mm-hmm. And that's, so you got to buy the big boy. So I'd have to buy that big boy. And at that point, the PlayStation big boy is cheaper. So I don't know, it's still... I'm going to do like a cost benefit analysis on on these systems and see which one you I get. The PlayStation, play. you can play with Johnny. I know, and that's that's awesome. Wait, you're going to buy the yeah. New we, prob- we probably won't get it right when it comes out, but probably in the spring or towards the summer, right? We'll probably pick it up. 
I had to take my PlayStation apart and super deep clean the dust out of it. Um, just because where it was located, it was it just gathered dust and it kept overheating. It's been working fine now, but I had times where I was going to start to play a game and it would, you know, your Xbox too hot, you can't do it. You know, we bought a fan thing for it and it's been working great now, especially after I cleaned it. But I, there's games that are coming out that I, you know, that I'll want to do. I buy maybe, I buy maybe a new game once or twice a year. But I do play lots of the free games that they put out, um, and like I, I've been I've told you guys like I was playing that Resident Evil two. I probably when they put out that remastered Resident Evil four, I'll I'll definitely grab it and play that. So I'm I probably will, but like even like Caitlin and I were talking, we'll probably still use the PlayStation either like in our room and have the PlayStation five downstairs or figure something out with it. So does the facts that the fact that Xbox just bought Bethesda studios who makes games like elder scrolls, um, fallout kind of sway you more towards maybe picking up the Xbox so you can have some of that stuff because the evil within from the creator of resident evil. Yeah. Does yeah, that was uh, I, don't, I can't remember the director's name, but yeah, he did a lot of Capcom stuff too. Because that was actually just announced that Xbox just completely bought a whole um, game studio. Yeah, a little bit, but I don't know. I have so like I went from having Xbox 360 with all those games, and then went to a PlayStation 4, and now the some of the games that I have for PlayStation 4. I only have a couple hard copies. Everything else is bought digitally, so I can easily go to the five and just do the digital, and not worry about porting over any, you know, like worrying about my hard disks and just port over the games from my account. So I'll have those to play, and that just seems easier to do. What a reversal from the last generation. Remember when Xbox is like, yeah, we're thinking about not having an optical drive. You guys will have to just download all the games, and everybody was in an uproar, and they had to be like, never mind, though, you can have optical drive and, you know, put a disc there. Now everybody's like, yeah, I'd rather just download it. I don't want to it, it's, store. it's the same thing that I constantly go back to when it comes to comic books. Like, yeah, I love going to the comic book shop and picking stuff up every week. But man, it's nice just to be able to wake up on a Wednesday or whatever day I decide I want to get my comic books. Just tap, tap, tap. Now I have everything downloaded to my phone or my iPad. And I can just sit out on the porch and read. Like I don't have to worry about driving anywhere, picking stuff up, coming back. Like it's done. Yeah, the tap, tap, tap. The old yeah. Soul Caliber Raphael move. There it is. Back. Do we have any other any other things that we want to? Break out of the news card? I don't remember what else I have written down now. It's, uh, we covered the new video games, the trailers. Um, uh, Batman Day happened. That's not really big news, but... Yeah, but nothing happened on Batman Day. Right? No, it's just like, one of those things, like... They started doing it a couple years ago for the 75th anniversary of Batman. And 
now it's just a thing that they do. But again, everything would have came out when they did the DC fandom event. Yeah, talking about DC fandom and DC Plus, or what was it called? DC Universe. It's oh, now not yeah. going to be this, this, uh, DC Universe anymore. It's going to be Disney Universe, or not Disney, DC Universe Plus, uh, Infinite, and it's going to be just comic book subscriptions. Well, because All so much of that stuff's moved over to HBO yeah. Max, which also announced today, didn't write this down for news, forgot about it until right now, uh, announced that James Gunn and John Cena are going to be doing a Peacemaker show for yeah. HBO Max. Yeah, and you can get that for fourteen ninety nine a month, versus DC Universe, which was what worked out to be six seventy. It was like, well, I think it was like seventy something for like the year because that was the only way you could do it when they first announced it two years ago. So cheap, <laughs> and now you're going to have to uh, break out the wallet. So if you only wanted the DC content going over to HBO, the it, it I have to jump. say the. HBO um, Max has a ton of series. It's got a ton of movies. Like, it's got a better movie lineup than, like, Netflix. Just on, like, movies that have come out or movies that have come out. Like, I was scrolling through there and I kept going, like, man, that's a good movie. That's a good movie. I'd add this to my list, add this to my list, add this to my list. And it's... It's real. It's I. It's I think it's worth it. Like actually, I was going to talk to Caitlin about buying it, um, because I was at a friend's house who has it, and we were going to watch um, the Harley Quinn, and uh, and then I we never got around to it. But I was just scrolling through everything that was in there, and I was like, man, that's really good. So you're saying fourteen ninety nine a month. Worth it. I think for some of those, some of those series, like that Harley Quinn cartoon series, is supposed to be amazing. It's supposed to it's it's Batman the animated series for the people who grew up loving Batman the animated series. This is made for you and me, Paul and Chris. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah more so than the, the adventure yes. continues. Absolutely. So after all that, I'm I'm feeling a little bit thirsty again, guys. Yeah, I'm going to have to drink another sour. And that's going to take us to our beers that we are going to review right before the list, where we'll talk about books we'd like to read. Uh, And I'm drinking. That's basically the way that we do the show. Yes, thank you for. So when I asked you if you were ready to speak. And you said yes. I was. I'm pretty sure I put words out and made a sentence, didn't I? Uh, Yep. (laughs) I tried to. I tried to make it awkward, Paul. I am glad I succeeded. That I made you go, boy. That was awkward. Uh, I'm drinking another beer from Resurgence Brewery. Who? uh, I think COVID's been the best thing in the world for them because they've really gotten their act together uh, during this time. Um, but this is part of a. This is called Circle the Wagons. Uh, it's a four pack Tallboy for for twelve ninety nine. You get two Pilsners and two New England IPAs in it. Uh, I'm drinking the Pilsner right now. Um, Circle the Wagons. It's Bill's 
themed beer. We have, uh, um, I think almost all the local breweries have a Bill's themed beer. And uh, I started with the Pilsner. I figured it'd be something good to go after that sour. Cleanse my palate for any other beers I'm going to have this evening. And this is a really nice Pilsner. Um, 4.4 ABV, crisp, a little bready. It's what you want in a Pilsner. And it's a good Pilsner. It's better than your average Pilsner beer. Uh, I think it's really good. so far, pretty worth it. I, I'll tell you after I have the IPA. Paul? Uh, is it better than the Wright Brothers pills from uh, Great Lakes Brewery? Because that was our standard for Pilsners. I think that was our gold standard for Pilsners for a while. I thought it was Euro pills from Southern Tier. Oh, was it Euro? Okay, so that was one, two, or something like that. Maybe and that's- Paul, tell me what those beers tasted like. Oh, it's been years. <laughs> Can't remember. But you have nostalgia. When you taste something in in your mind and it like beckons back to that nostalgia, and you're like, wow, maybe I should spend $99 on HeroQuest. <laughs> but, you know, uh, but, but with a beer, is it, does it break I'm, I'm forever chasing the, the Ithaca yeah. 14. Like, it just, um, yeah, I mean, for the style of beer that this is, uh, I think it's it's pretty well up there. I don't think there's there's a lot of pilsners out there and i think this stands above most pilsners there's definitely ones that are probably better made than this and probably cost more um i think recently i had scrag mountain from lawson's and that was a really really good pilsner um the original pilsner pilsner Uquel, i think is an, an exceptional pilsner uh and this is really good it's crisp it's clean uh, it's got that crisp pop mid palate, really nice breadiness, and you can just you can drink this really easy. And with it being four point four, you could probably drink that four pack watching the Bills game and be fine at the end of it. You know, it's nice. I like it, and it's circle the wagons is uh, something that Chris Berman said on ESPN about the Buffalo Bills, about them, their ability to come back in a game or to come back during a season because nobody circles the wagons better than the Buffalo Bills. And <laughs> Buffalo's capitalized it in, like, the seven years yeah. since. Yeah. Oh, it's been more than seven years. Has it been? Okay. Oh, what was it? What, last year it had been, like, what, 19 was... years since they were in the playoffs? <laughs> Something ridiculous like that? It was... Well, more than because we made the playoffs with Tyro, uh, Tyrone Taylor as the quarterback. They, he Ooh. broke their crowd, so it's Doug been Flutie. more than last year Ryan's since we made the playoffs. Thurman Thomas, those are the Bills yep. I know. Bruce, I, I, I remember. I remember Tim the, Kelly. I remember the Doug Flutie, Steve Tasker, Don Beebe, Nate, Nate Odoms, Don Seely, uh, oh, OJ Simpson. <laughs> I mean, not wrong, guys. Well, hang on. Uh, oh, yeah, check him. I don't know. Which one of you guys um, want to go next? Paul, you have it. Oh. I'm still drinking sours. Okay. So, and uh, I don't have the can here, but this is the Hamburg, also from Hamburg Brewery. This is very, very sneaky. I think I talked about it on the show and didn't have it on the show. And this is 7.1%. I don't have the can because I just poured a little bit 
of it because my wife likes this, so she had the rest of it. Um, and this is a nice berry forward strawberry, a little bit of raspberry, a little bit of blueberry popping uh, sour beer. This is, if you're going to buy a, a sour from Hamburg, this is the one that you get um, right now. Uh, this comes in a four pack of Tall Boys. I bought it at the brewery. I don't know if it's going great because I am horrible and I don't pay attention to how much I'm spending on beer. Like, I'm like, oh, I like it. I'm going to buy it. I this, don't price point it. No, that's, I was talking about that the other day. Like, beer's my treat myself things. Like, right. I I will pay more for beer. I won't look at the price necessary because it's something that, that I like. It's something that I enjoy. It's something that and I, not to say that I'm I going to go... It. Not to say I'm going to go to the store and buy every Eclipse beer that costs, like, $25. Per, you know, per bomber pop. Like, when it's a big price, like, I'll take notice and be like, pump the brakes a little bit. But, you know, for something that could be between ten ninety nine and seventeen ninety nine, usually I'm like, oh, okay. Anything above seventeen ninety nine, I like usually eighteen ninety. you know, that's when I kind of pump the brakes a little bit. I have to think about it um, when I'm treating myself. Because, you know me, I always go back to be like, well, is it even worth it? Because I could buy that other beer and so much cheaper. And I'm going to say that again soon. <laughs> Good to know. And something that I think is worth it, if you're able to find it, the Cider Boys Pineapple Hula. This is a apple pineapple cider sitting at 5.0% ABV. And you know what the syrup tastes like in a can of diced pineapple? Yes. Just make that carbonated and a little bit lighter. Not like it's syrupy. Not as coiny. Not as coiny. Yeah, it's not as like acidic. Like, that's what this is. And then you get that kind of like apple mealiness on the back of the tongue. This is absolutely fantastic. Um, You all right, Everything you described with your words sounded like this was going to be a horrible beer. You're like, you know, the syrup from a can... You know how apples are mealy. No, it's well, it's like the perfect. Together, it's it's the perfect okay. blending of all that. Like it's a great pineapple forward flavor. It's nice, bright, very clean, sweet, and then you can tell that it's like actually like an apple cider on the back end of the tongue. Like it just hits you. I I really love this. I, this and the sideward strawberry cider, like, probably two of the best ciders I've ever had. And Cider Boys has some good ciders, but they're you know, all kind of like you're just yeah. They're usually middle or like yeah. It's a they're usually nice, refreshing like, cider. On the it's sweeter a side, and they deliver like if it's a blueberry, it delivers that blueberry flavor. If it's strawberry, yeah, they're never like too dry. Yeah. Like it's more like refreshing, um, more so than like a like a woodchuck, which tends to be a little bit more on the dry side. But man, this is this is absolutely great. I'm mm. I'm glad to be a pineapple boy tonight, boys. And that'll take us Sounds delicious. into the list, the Mealy thing that apples. we do after reviewing these beers. Uh, and these are the books that we're looking forward to coming out September 30th, 2020. And guys, uh, Paul, uh, what are you looking forward to? Yeah. Uh, there's a Star Wars character that's out there that I feel like I should enjoy more. I, I think we... I only really gave her the chance on that one trade in policy we did, that first trade of Dr. Afra. 
so I'm going back in. I'm going to dip my toe back in because nothing really was enticing me. This is, uh, we had a big discussion before the show. Let me see if I get it right. Okay. I don't have it in front of me. It's Star Wars Dr. Aphra, number four. Yes. And then it's, the story arc is called Fortune and Fate, part four, which is called The Deal, Ring of Fire. And just yes. just to clarify, you've <laughs> is- read one, two, and three. Okay. None of it. <laughs> no. no. Curveball, going in blind. <laughs> it's a Marvel book. It'll have that first page to catch me up. Um, but well, it, I think Dr. Afro's a great character. And what you said before is like, this is a character that was made for you to enjoy in the Star Wars universe. I have all those Dr. Afro books, like the miniseries in my comics allergy costume. Check them out because it's, they're great reads. Like she's yeah. an awesome character. And I hope that she makes that jump from that comic book canon to the real live universe in a way like Ahsoka Tano. Or, or Harley Quinn. Um, or, well, that was backwards. That's from the animated series into comic books and, and everywhere. But yeah, uh, Dr. Afro, she's, uh, you know, a streetwise archaeologist. Uh, so she's Indiana Jones, a.k.a. Han Solo in, in the Star Wars universe, but she will play fast and loose with her allegiances. Uh, and uh, she seems like uh, all, the, all sorts of trouble that I want to get mixed up in, in, in the Star Wars universe, you know? But uh, for whatever reason, I, I just keep on passing by. So, you know, I'll check out this last issue because that usually has a lot of explosions and fireworks and, and stuff like that to really, you know, all the twists, everything comes together and maybe I, I'll want to see what happened beforehand. John, uh, I, what are you looking forward to? I'm sure it's not a It's comic. a trade? Uh, I went back into my wish list ah. um, in a book that I am looking forward to purchasing and reading is uh, from Boom Studios, written by James Tinian, and uh, art by uh, Werther Del Edra. And this is Something is Killing the Children. Uh, when children... Mm. Uh, when children in Archer's Peak begin to go missing, everything seems hopeless. The few children that return alive have terrible stories. Uh, impossible details of terrifying creatures that live in the shadows. And, uh, geez, it keeps scrolling funny. And, uh, oh, they go to war. They, they want to war. And one who believes the children the claim to be the only adult who sees what they see. And her name is Erica Slaughter. And she kills monsters. Um, I enjoy James Tinian's, uh, writing. I enjoyed, uh, what was the one where those, the, the school when it, the woods. I really enjoyed The woods. Yeah, that, that was really cool. I, that was one that when I had my, like, I'm going to go back and buy a bunch of comic books that I you know, haven't kept up on. Uh, that was one of the ones I was like, I remember really enjoying the series. And we just never continued I think on Paul after that bought first trade, the second trade and I bought the third trade. And I don't think we ever went back to finish reading it. Okay. Yeah. I never read that second trade. I, I think it was something like that. It. Or I yeah, bought the second one, you bought the third one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we agree. Um, like we would go back and forth. Yeah. So I like I like his stories outside of Batman and superheroes. So when I saw this 
I was actually like, oh, I wish I had seen this coming out in single issues because I probably would have bought it. Um, but this is a trade, and it's w- issues one through five. It's like ten ninety nine, um, and I definitely worth picking up, especially if there's no books this week that I'm even remotely interested in. Ten dollars versus buying two books at you know six ninety nine, seven bucks, a couple more bucks, and have something I'm really interested in. Chris. Uh, I'm looking forward to a new number one coming out, but it's not the first appearance of a character because this is uh, Marvel Comics Shang-Chi number one. Uh, after really enjoying Firepower, the graphic novel, then rereading number one, and then continuing on and reading numbers like two and three, I absolutely love that book. So I really want to see how something is kind of based off of like Iron Fist or Shang-Chi how this kind of stands up against it, because Shang-Chi, I think we're going to be getting a really big push for this character as we're approaching the Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings movie, whenever that winds up coming out. But yeah, it's uh, picking up with Shang-Chi, the master of Kung Fu. Uh, one of those, oh, the past is coming back to haunt him. Now he's he's got a rise to the challenge type stories. I've never read a Shang-Chi book. He's one of those characters I know that he was around in, like, the 70s. Comic characters have interacted with him in other books. He's one of those characters that when you read an interview with, like, Brian Michael Bendis, he's like, oh, I love Shang-Chi, but he's never been someone that's really been on my radar. Uh, But this book, uh, written by Jean Lun Yang, uh, with art by Philip Tan and D.K. Ruan, the preview artwork for it looks fantastic. Covers by uh, James Chung. It looks gorgeous. I don't know, I'm going to give this that one issue shot just to see how it stands up because Firepower is a lot of fun, guys. Like, I don't know if you had a chance to read the next couple issues, Paul, but they're they're great. It's everything that I wish Iron Fist could be. Well, I was just saying I've read you were one issue, and that was like five years ago when they were relaunching the series and um who was the cover artist chris for 100 bullets oh uh eduardo rizzo he was the artist for it wasn't it um dave johnson oh dave Dave johnson Johnson did the covers for the for the book and i thought he was also doing the art inside so i picked up the book and i was like man it's an awesome cover and then uh, I opened the book, and it was, like, really bad art. And I was like, hmm. I think we read it for – we did it for Look Back. Did I mean, it's possible. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of, like, back like show notes or things to go through. So, Yeah, Shang-Chi Can't makes zero it. impact on me. Like, I don't remember that book if we read it, and I don't remember him ever showing up in any book that I've ever read. It's just one of those things, like, outside of Iron Fist – like that martial arts character that's kind of in the background of every comic book company or franchise, mm-hmm. like Shang-Chi or what's the DC one? Richard Dragon. Like they're always just kind of there as Lady some Shiva? Lady Shiva is pretty cool. Huh? Like she gets a little bit more play in the books. I think than like Shang-Chi or Richard Dragon do because they kind of weave her into 
Batman arcs here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, even most recently, like she's the daughter of David Kane or Cassandra Kane, daughter of Lady Shiva and David Kane. So like now her being back in the book kind of lends more credence to her existing. Um, almost one of the books I picked was uh, Batman Joker War Zone, which has an orphan and spoiler story in it. We'll be reading that one for the look back. You guys will check it out. It's fine. Uh, but those characters, like they never really click with me. It's a lot like the cosmic books. Like they just, yeah. they don't really grab me, but like Iron Fist kind of works. Um, especially like that Carrie Andrews, Iron Fist, the living weapon miniseries that came out probably like six years ago now, but great Iron Fist story. The, uh, Matt Fraction, Ed Brubaker, uh, Iron Fist, yeah. the mortal weapon or whatever it was called. Great. I just, I really feel like this is a comic book subgenre that I should love. I just need something to show me why. That's not firepower because firepower is so great. It's like, why can't the big two have a character or book that works just as well? Because it's a family book that deals with kung fu, and they just can't do. It. I don't know. I don't, like firepower. I like, like if, if I had to like tell someone like in one line like what it is, it's Iron Fist mixed with Invincible meets Avatar. Like if, last year, better not blue cap people. If somebody was trying to get into comic books now, I think firepower would be the easiest thing for me to be like. Oh, start with this. Yeah. Just, because there's no other baggage with it. Like, and you know what? I might suggest, like, having them read the first issue and then being like, eh, you know, I'm not sure where it goes. I'm like, hey, that's what comic book <laughs> reading's all about. Now read this. <laughs> 90 pages. Good luck. Oh, you thought that was tough, reading 90 pages to understand the whole backstory of a character? Wait until you want to get into Nightwing. And then you have to read this issue, but then go back Twenty uh, something years, and read all their backstories. So but they, even some of that continuity doesn't exist or matter anymore. But they still reference those arcs. It's bizarre. Yeah. But yeah, Firepower. Just read that book. <laughs> yeah. End of the show, guys. Just read Firepower. Yeah. And you know, maybe what kills the children? I don't know. Or something's killing the kids. The kids something, are not all right. Something is killing the children. Oh, something is killing the children. It's 11 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Paul, it's Paul, okay, Paul. You don't have to read it's that. It's 9 o'clock, But you know what you do have to read. I don't have to read a dramatic reading. It's John. John reads the dramatic reading. <laughs> uh, why do I keep thinking you have to do it? Because I picked for you last time, but we're now back at the top of the cycle. So it goes to John. Shaking my head. Anyways. I didn't make the cycle. And now... A dramatic reading from Batman, number 99, page 13. It's good to have you back. To see how Dick Grayson got his memories back, see Nightwing, number 74, Ben and Dave. That was a dramatic reading from Batman, 99, page 13, panel 5. Because, yeah, guys, I'm like, hey, I'm going to sit down and read a bunch of comic books, kick. Uh, I downloaded all like the past issues of Batman for the Joker War crossover. Really digging it. Glad I did it. 
Is it as good as uh, any of the like Cataclysm or on any of the other big events? Would I would say yes. Better than well, Bruce Wayne Fugitive, which I think is the worst of them. See, I like Bruce Wayne Fugitive a lot. Um, I think Bruce Wayne Fugitive's better than Contagion, but not oh, as good as like Contagion. Uh, Contagion, not great. Um, not as war. It is war games. Not as good, but also it's a it's a lot more insular. Like to get the story, we read the first part with Batman number ninety five. And you only need to actually read the core Batman book for the whole story. But if you pick up like Batgirl or Nightwing or Detective Comics, those issues are tying into it, but not so much that you're not going to get the full story if you don't pick up some random side issue. Like the whole story is right here. It's just extra story. Uh, So, you know, my curse with X Factor, right? I, I think the whole internet does at this point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where you know, I kind of get into ten years of documented kinda, history. For it. Yes. I'm excited about it, and then there's this random crossover issue that derails everything. Guess what happens in X Factor issue four? A tie into Swords of X or X of Swords or whatever um, it's called. I, four issues. It made it four. It, it made it three issues before there's a weird crossover. X Factor can't. Can't do, it just can't happen without a weird crossover just derailing it. But that's that's the X Men books, man. Like I added all the powers of X, X Men, whatever, everything else is to my wish list because I did enjoy reading those books when we. I picked think them up. I bought a bunch of them, so I think you did my account. But it's something that I kind of want to check out more of. I want to read Marauders. I want to read. Um, oh the. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but there's some other ones there that I was like, okay, like these are characters that I want to check out. And I'm intrigued on this, you know, Hickman kind of built universe. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't get all of it. Like that's the thing. Well, the thing with the Hickman built universe is it was so like fragmented and his ideas were, you know, kind of put out there, but not really explained too much. So now all the writers are kind of doing whatever they want anyways. So it's like, was the foundation actually built or was it just kind of like drawn up and everybody's like, yeah, cool idea, but I'm going to still do what I want. Well, and, that's, what I feel. and that's what leads me to be like, Oh, next year we're going to have them hit the reset button again, take it back to basics. Like they did last year when they just launched, like we're going to have X-Men blue. We're going to have X-Men gold, oh. X-Men red. That's the line. And then oh, it's- as More soon as stuff comes out, like oh, like six issues in. Well, now we have X Men, like Rogue and Gambit, head of a series. The the X Men series of books, all the mean uh, books, all the X books, will not matter until the Marvel Cinematic Universe figures out how to put them into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. At which point, then we'll get the actual version of X Men that's going to be around for the next fifteen to twenty years. I, I think it's all just a waiting pattern. And they're going to try to throw storylines that might be interesting for movies every once in a while. But it's just it's just that, you know, circling the airport until they actually come up with a landing plan for it. And um, what I think is fun and cool and interesting about that before we head into the main topic then, uh, is Marvel really can't draw on any of the past X-Men story arcs for their movies because Fox has already done them all. 
some of them multiple times. So people don't want to see that again. So they're going to have to think outside the box. They're going to have to do something new and different. Make it exciting. Joke. The three jokers opens up with a scene that I've seen hundreds of times. It does. It does. And it has multiples of those. It is so ingrained in my brain that if you say Batman to me and I close my eyes, that's the scene I think of. Well, now you're just going through what Bruce goes through every time I close my eyes. Uh, But we're not going to talk about that book first. But we're going to head into the main topic. And do we want to take a pause to get another beer? Yeah, or I can. You guys good? I'm good for now. I could go for it. So I'm I got, I got my two next more, beer so. already. So. so before we head into our main topic, we're going to talk about our next beers. And for me, this is a beer I've had before on the show. I've had it a lot just in my normal day-to-day life. Uh, and this is a seasonal beer from Southern Tier Brewing Company. And this is their pumpkin. Uh, this is their Imperial Pumpkin Ale. Uh, they say it's pumpkin pie in a glass. And I am inclined to agree. 8.68% ABV. They put this beer out every year. They've done a couple different variations of it. Uh, whether it's aged in rum barrels or like with coffee. You can't go wrong with just the standard pumpkin. This beer is fantastic. I think I have to say I like the Whoa. next beer I have a little bit more than this one. Um. It's not an imperial though. Like so, this one's it's a little bit heavy. But I took a sip a while ago before we started recording after our pause, and I'm still getting like that cinnamon tingle on my tongue. Like it's it's delicious. It has everything that if you're a fan of that pumpkin spice flavoring, whether it's some coffee, cereal, cheesecake, what have you. Pumpkin is one of the beers that does this the best, I think. And this is going to be one of my constant and consistent annual pickups. I, for however long we've been doing this show and they've been printing this beer out, every single year I'm excited when I see this on my shelf. I'm trying to remember, when did we love Pumpkin the best? Like, when we aged it. Like, there was one like, was it three years in after when we aged it that we're like, wow, all that yam flavor kind of goes away and we're just left with all that wonderful spice. Or was it like two years? I don't remember. I remember it was like, there was like a magical time that we, that we figured out when we did it that we're like, Ooh, either three years is too long or four years. I think that was some other beer that we forgot we had. I don't remember. I don't remember. We did it with pumpkin. We aged pumpkin for, I don't know, years and years. You know, I remember. That's that sounds possible because I mean, pumpkin something that I know you had had in your cellar for a while, like because there was like packs of pumpkin and then like uh, Paul bought that well. case the one year. You bought that case, Paul, because they gave you a deal on it. Um. Oh yeah, yeah, at the brewery because Kate and I used to go for the pump the rum king release day at uh, Southern Tier, and we haven't. We're not going this year because. They're doing one that's like you got to buy tickets beforehand, and then you're only given like two hours or two to three hours window of actually being there. And it all sold out. They're doing a second day of it now, and I'm like, you know what? It's just for what? You know what? It, it's second. a fun experience, but if you can just go to like your corner yeah. supermarket and pick it up there, and like the reason. The reason you'd go is because they do variants of pumpkin, and like if they're really good, like Paul, you brought home the coffee before it was ever released, 
and we we tried yeah, that, and then crawling. the next year they released it. You know, like sometimes they they hit gold or it's something that they're actually going to release. But see, that coffee one when I had it, it was just like okay, it tastes just like somebody poured their cold coffee into yeah. my pumpkin. Like it wasn't. It's not my. Favorite. It wasn't great. I will say pumpkin. Pumpkin is yeah. my favorite. Probably my favorite pumpkin beer. But if anything, it's the beer I gauge all pumpkin beers against. Because to me, when I have pumpkin, mm-hmm. it ticks all my boxes for what a pumpkin beer should taste like. So sometimes I have beers that I, yeah. I like that are pumpkin beers, and some of them I have like, mm, I don't like this at all because it's missing something that pumpkin has. It delivers what I what I think a pumpkin beer should taste like. Uh, the other day, Yanni, had, but actually it was when I had bought this, uh, Yanni had picked up a can, it was like a pumpkin chai cider, like they call it like pumpkin cider. <laughs> not not great, but it had enough of like those notes, and I'm like, okay, like I get the, the chai kind of spice on it, but ultimately like, I'd rather just crack open a pumpkin. Like you mm. said, this is the pumpkin beer that I am forever going to put everything else at like when I checked into it on untapped right now it's sitting at a five and I'm not going to drop that down like this is one of my all-time favorite beers I think I if I don't already have a four pack I need to pick one up before Sunday because Sunday is the day where I'm going to crack Sunday open that the Sunday Sunday I'm going to, yep Sunday thank you uh, <laughs> I was waiting for it to click <laughs> I'm going to pump, uh, crack open the Elysian pumpkin ale pack and also and and basically go through that with kate and we're going to do our own pumpkin fest and i want pumpkin there to be there i did get a bottle of the uh, pumpkin whiskey pumpkin whiskey i looked for that at my uh, beer store when i went they didn't have it so i bought a bottle of like a peanut butter whiskey and said still really good the screwball no it's a ram's horn or ram's head or something like that it was okay. it was pretty cheap. I think it was only like twenty dollars for the bottle, but it's it's delicious. It's perfect to just get home from work and like pour myself a small glass of it, like and sip while I'm like playing games or watching like Netflix or something. Yeah. But enough about that, Paul. The pumpkin whiskey is only uh, twenty six dollars if you buy it at a brewery, thirty dollars if you buy it someplace else. Okay. So not bad. Uh, yeah. What am I drinking? I'm drinking the same thing John's drinking. And this is the Omegang Breweries All Hollows Dark. And this is a black lager that's 5% alcohol by volume. And uh, it's black lager in name only. Hey, <laughs> look at that. Uh, I was expecting big malt up front with a crisp, clean finish. Um, and instead I get just a lager beer that's just okay. It's and I don't even get those Oma Gang spices. You know when you go to KFC and you expect the eleven original you, spices. You expect you order that with with Oma Gang. I expect you know the the, the, the you expect the, 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 the you expect their yeast strain to give you those those Belgianese str- yeah. spices. Yeah, um, this beer is a total letdown because, like you said, Paul, it it tastes like I just drank a Pilsner. And this should blow it out of the water because it should be dark and roasty and smooth and easy drinking. And it is none of those things. I, I'm drinking out of the can, and the only reason I know it's dark is because there's like a little bit. 
in uh, caught in the lip on the top of the can. But if you give a blind taste test, I would say this is a Pilsner, and it's yeah, it it's really um, say it doesn't taste hazy. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't taste dark. Yeah, doesn't taste hazy. The, the, the one thing this beer has going for it is the really cool label. Like, it's a really cool graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the reason you picked it up, Paul. It was one of the reasons I picked it up, because, like, oh, well, yeah, Black Lager from Oma Gang, and it's cool-looking. Like, I'll check it out. And, um, no, it's... it's. I was going over to someplace that I was watching uh, Hocus Pocus, and I'm like... This is the perfect beer to watch Hocus Pocus with. And we were having a fire. If you're drinking this at a fire, that smoke, you know, fills your lungs, you know. So if you live on the West Coast, buy this beer right now. It'll go amazing. Because you'll get all that smoke from just breathing air. How do you sit Um, around a fire? But... (laughs) He sits over it, actually. I, I mean, you get that smoky in the air, but it's, I'm not breathing in the smoke. Yeah. Uh, smoke always follows beauty. Oh, it's so that I'm luscious locks you have. Yeah, yeah exactly. Got to keep on Ooh, pushing it away from You slutty girl, keep brushing uh, that on your face. Don't. Uh, sl- uh, what is it? Slut shame me? Don't. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> but no, this this is okay. It's how much it's like is it? Thirteen ninety nine, isn't it? Oh, oh. For, oh, four for a four pack, that's killer. Yeah, of I mean, that's not a, that's not a bad price, but it's not a great beer. Like that's just... it's not it's not better than my go to for black loggers, and I didn't even know it was a black logger until John told me it was. Is a Yingling black and tan? Like you know, I I just like that beer because yeah. I'm like oh. I thought they were actually mixing, you know, like a black and tan in a bottle, but apparently it's just <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just a, a Schwartz beer. It's just a black lager. I, it's not so, and that's so cheap. It's like back when I was buying it regularly, it was like five ninety nine, maybe six ninety nine. Um, so inflation, let's say seven ninety nine, still a better value than this. So. If you want to hang out with me and get me drunk cheap, all day IPA and the England black and tan, and also the I, pumpkin whiskey. I thought it was just going to be. Bucks. If you want to hang out with me, just give me a call. I'm not doing much. I'll go disc golfing with you. Oh, so true. So true. But Paul is doing something because he's got all these comic books to read. Yeah. Uh, so back in. August, we read uh, Shazam. In fact, uh, this is Shazam issue fourteen, written by uh, Jeff Johns. Art interior arts by uh, both uh, Collins and Dale Eaglesham. I, why am I blanking on the first name of Scott Collins? Scott Collins, yes. Thank you. My own brain, and also Chris. And uh, this was solicited as a big fight between Superboy Prime. And Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam. Uh, Superboy Prime is that villain I love to hate. He's so annoying. He's kind of, like, breaks the fourth wall quite a bit with uh, all his, like, 
jabs at the heroes. He's like, even in this, he's, you know, he's making fourth wall kind of gags like, oh, Captain uh, Shazam, you're better when you're alone um, instead of having a whole Shazam family around you. And he actually calls uh, Miss Shazam, Captain, you know, Mary Marvel. Yeah, which Captain I, Marvel I, Jr. I did like that part. Exactly. And I'm like, all the parts with just Superboy facing off against the Shazam family, that's what I was there for. Him hanging out with Mr. Mind and having problems with his quote-unquote dad. I'm like, what? what? I, but that, I don't want to read that. I want to read the, the the other. Get back to the other part. Well, it's kind of like I don't want to say part of the thing about this book is jumping in because this is part. This is the 14th issue, part 13 of a 13 story uh, arc. Mm-hmm. So coming into it, you're just seeing like, oh, well, there's all these other magical lands that are kind of like folding in on our Earth. But that's not the main crux of the story because so much of it is based on the fact that, okay, Superboy Prime's here now and it takes Billy Batson, you know, Shazam, teaming up with Black Adam to take him out. And that should be a cool story because, you know, it's two great characters going up against a great villain. Mm -hmm. But there's something lacking in the actual storytelling. And I think even more lacking in the artwork on this because... You start off with that Dale Eaglesham cover, and then you have the flashback to kind of catch you up on the Billy Batson, you know, Shazam family story, which, okay, like, that's great. But then you jump to the Scott Collins artwork, and I've read the Scott Collins, Jeff Johns arc on The Flash from the early 2000s, and I don't know why this art's not up to that same caliber, because it's it's really lacking, and I find it, like, Distracting uh, I, at one point. Yeah, um, I was going to well, say many points. The the biggest thing too is like you have those. You're you're flipping through. It's Eaglesham, Eaglesham, Eaglesham. It's catching you up to where the story is. Big splash pay, page, and then as soon as um, Superboy Prime shows up, the art is like completely different. The colorist is completely wow. different. Like, and you're and I, I was like, what the hell? And then I thumb back. I'm like, no, these are two different artists. And then I looked and saw. I was like, oh, okay. And then it just, it looked like almost every page was drawn by somebody different. Like, none of the art matched the previous page. I don't know if he was just rushing through this to get it done or what, but it's not its not good art in it. Well, there's like four pages that are good. Yeah, yeah the, the Daily Eaglesham stuff's pretty strong at the front end. It's just, it's a far cry from what I know Scott Collins can do from Reading, yeah, reading his I, flash stuff. I, I like them um, on it, the flash. It also it seems like maybe even Scott Collins wasn't sure what he should be drawing because there's some panels where like all of a sudden there's a bunch of just monsters in the background, but it seems like with Scott Collins pages there was only the certain you know leaders of each of the monster lands you know were in there and like. The, he, I don't know, there was some weird senses of place as well. Uh, all the shadowing and like actual inking was just kind of gone from it, and it's just all crash, uh, cross-hatching. Like The colorist wasn't doing the same kind of shadow job as what was happening on Deal Eaglesham's art. It just... 
yeah, it's definitely a step back. Uh, this is definitely a tale of two books. Of I was very excited to see Superboy versus the Shazam family, and then the rest. But unfortunately, the book is basically Shazam versus Mister Mind, and the rest of these guys. And I know we read issue one, I think for a look back. Uh, yeah, they discovered the out. doors. The the uh, Jack Skeleton holiday, holiday doors basically to the magical realms, um, and then we didn't pick up anything in between. Uh, and it, I know that was but, years ago, right? Like this well, is this book, just this iteration of the book launched in 2018, so it's it had to be within the last like year and a half okay. that we okay. read that number one. And I think this book also suffers just from it's that angsty kind of a dick Billy Batson that you want to see him grow out of but for some reason whenever they relaunch Shazam or Captain Marvel whatever you want to call him now they really have to circle and it's like well no he's not just you know a kid that's coming from a bad situation he's he's the troubled kid he's he's the the rough around the edges kid like they have to like make him shitty just so they can build him up and 14 issues into this like i still don't think they have him built up to a likable guy which that's always kind of what captain marvel was like he was always just like oh he's he's just so good and wholesome like i don't know why they felt the need to do that turn for him where it's like well what if he wasn't nice what if you don't yeah, like and i don't billy? like that goes against mm-hmm. billy batson and shazam like the the greatest mm-hmm. version of Shazam that we've had in the last 10 years is from um, the Young Justice cartoon where he just keeps wanting to hang out with the teenage kids and they don't understand yeah. like why this grown-up wants to hang out with them and he's like, are you guys going to trick-or-treating? Like, no, I'll dress up with you guys. Like, they're like, no. It's like, what? Oh, can I come and like play video games? Like, weird guy, no. And it's like, that's the Billy Batson you you want. You want that sweet kid who's yeah. gonna he's gonna get up after taking a pounding because I can't let that guy get past me because he will really do harm. He'll hurt, you know, you know, Rosie McGuffin who's got the cherry who's got the cherry pie cooling in the window. Yeah, my oh. uncle. Like, thank you, Paul. Like, he's. He's always going to get up from that punch because he has to protect everyone because he's just that sweet of a person. And yeah, this this Shazam just doesn't work. And even the Black Adam character wasn't that great in that, but it was better than he was yeah. better than Shazam in this. Which is weird because yeah. that that characterization of the uh, him wanting to hang out with the teenage characters reminds me of the GSA run by Jeff Johns because there was a whole thing of Shazam like dating Stargirl and everybody's like, whoa, this is weird. Except for the people that knew that Billy Batson was the same age as Stargirl. And and those people were like, "Eh, well, you know, it kind of makes sense. Like, weird, but still like, Magic's weird, so what are we going to do? Like, what should we say? Um, 
Yeah, and it's so weird that now we get Jeff Johns writing this very alternate universe, very un-Jeff Johns style. And Black Adam. Shazam. His Black Adams have been always great. In those JSA books. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think this is just a case of him doing too much now with juggling, like, the DC cinematic universe? I forget what they call it, but, like, you know, the motion picture side of things. Mm -hmm. Maybe, like, creative lead for a lot of the DC comics. Like, is it just... Yeah, and also hassling uh, Ray uh, Fisher. Yeah. Uh, I... Pay attention to your comic books there, Jeff Johns. Don't send texts and calls to Ray Fisher about how cool Cyborg is and is in Doom Patrol. I mean, Focus. from what I hear, like, yeah, that, that Cyborg's cool. I, I don't know. Because, I mean, he's, I think he has, because look how long it took for that Doomsday Clock to come out. Was it like six issues and it took two years? Yeah. He's had that. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the bet. 14 issues and it took more yeah. than two years and for it, this. Or and it just, um, I don't know, take your time to write a story, finish it, and then start releasing it versus trying to write them issue by issue over <laughs> over a matter of years. Like, I don't know. Tell a yeah. story worth telling and as well. I, I don't know. I have the same. Like... I didn't like Three Jokers. <laughs> Oh, well, that's where I was going to go next, because uh, that's also written by Jeff Johns from DC Comics. But this is different. This one's actually part of the Black Label. So this is their kind of out-of-continuity, more adult takes on some of the DC characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but written by Jeff Johns, art by Jason Fabic, And this is another Joker story in a you know, comic book landscape and pop culture landscape that's really focused on the Joker right now. Uh, but this is uh, everyone kind of recounting their previous run-ins with the Joker and how it's literally left them scarred from it, you know, both literally and figuratively. Uh, and it's revealed at the end that there are multiple Jokers, unlike we've gotten in like the actual continuity. I don't know if it still exists, where there's just the one Joker that's like the Scott Snyder Joker who's always just kind of been around living behind the scenes. Um, I liked this just in the way that you get to see the Bat family and their thoughts on Joker and how they're all like, well, no, this is how we have to deal with it. This is what we need to do. And it's kind of interesting to see how this is playing out alongside the actual main continuity right now. We're, We're getting the Joker war where, the Joker's made his biggest play yet. And you even have characters like Harley Quinn being like, no, like, you know, in the words of Uncle Iroh, like, he's crazy. We need to take him down. And if you're not going to do it, step out of the way because I'm going to have to. Because we know you can't. And I kind of like that harder edge because unlike the other Batman Black Label book we got from... Israelo. Yeah, Brian Azzarello, uh, Batman Damned. This isn't just a, it's dark to be dark. Like You're not seeing Bat Dong anywhere in it. It's just, it's a little bit harder edge. Like you're seeing, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne's parents killed again, to get to what Paul was talking about before. You're seeing Jason Todd 
getting bludgeoned. You're seeing Barbara Gordon being shot, like, in her doorway. And her weird bullet wounds that are still kind of there when she's taking a shower? Like, well, I mean, I, I think, tissue you, I think you're like, seeing, like, the scar. But, again... I think it's meant. It's I think it's the, meant the to timing of everything because you just you have that huge scene of yeah of Batman yeah, it's in shadow and all of his scars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a scar. It's a it's a little divot. Um, but yeah, I think the only thing that makes this black label is it's out of continuity, and there is a little bit more blood than you would get in like a normal bat book. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't dislike it. I mean, out of the two books that we've discussed so far, I definitely like this more than Shazam. Um, can I say I'm very afraid of where I think it's leading, and you guys are going to think I'm crazy for even suggesting this. It starts off with showing the killing of Bruce Wayne's parents. It also then has the first Joker that they're talking about killing off the mob family that basically. Joe Chill took the fall for. I think it's setting up that the Joker killed Bruce Wayne's parents. Like, that somehow he's... It wasn't actually Joe Chill. It was an original Joker that happened. That was, you know, like, he's the the killer of Bruce Wayne's parents was the original Joker, and these three Jokers are just, like, subsets of that original Joker, and they've been creating new and new new and different versions of Jokers from then on that he, he came up with this plan. And if that's what this book is all about, I'll be just so disappointed in it. But I, and that's nothing that's not too crazy out there too, because they've even toyed with the Joker being Joe chill before. Yeah. With the like Batman 89. Yeah. Like that's just kind of one of those could be stories. Yeah. But it's, it seems like a long way to walk and a lot of setup for not a great payoff. You know what I mean? Like it just, that story just isn't interesting. Oh, Joker created Batman and Batman created the Joker. And it's, I don't know. I think it's lazy. I think it's boring. I think it's And also the three Jokers has been teased for what, like four years by now. And it took two years for, or uh, three years for Doom to stay clock. Two years for Shazam. So it makes sense that this um, is four years. But I'm just, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not. After reading this, I'm not interested in reading any more of it. I am more interested in the Batman Joker War, and I think it's actually. I don't think it's smart for them to put this out while Joker War is going on. It's two competitive mm-hmm. Joker books at the same time. But I'm I'm going to pick the Batman one, yeah. which Chris, I saw you had picked up more issues of, and like yeah, half <laughs> yeah, read them; they're fun. It's, but see, that's very much like the opposite side of the coin from what you're getting in Three Jokers because it is a little bit more focused on the Bat family at this point in the the Joker War crossover. Like, you're finally reaching the point where Batman has to reach out to people and he knows that Joker knows that's, like, his final play. Like, this is the only thing that he can do and he knows I don't want to do it, but I have to bring you guys in. I have to put you into the fray, too, because you're the only way we're going to get through this. So the only way we can beat him is by basically doing what he expects us to do. It's... 
it, it's kind of cool to see them like, okay, yeah, like we accept this versus the Joker or three Jokers. Where it's like, okay, Seems well, we, we need to do this. Seems weird that he can't just call Oliver Queen, Ted Cord, uh, Mr. Terrific, or not Mr. Yeah, Mr. Terrific, and anybody else that is worth billions of dollars just to buy out the Joker to then reinstate Bruce Wayne as the head of Comic logic. It's it doesn't exist it, it except for what it, what it I'm needs just saying, to. He knows a lot of billionaires. It seems like if they all pulled their resources together, somehow. Yeah. Not a book we're review- reviewing yeah. though. We've already reviewed that book. Right. We're uh, reviewing this one. But that's the, like I I didn't hate this. It didn't put a sour taste in my mouth like Shazam did. But I don't think it's the best Batman book that I've read this month. I don't think it's the best. Batman book I've read this year. It's but it's not the worst. I didn't are you guys hooked at all to know what is going on with the three jokers? Is it an interesting I'm interested because that's that's the whole point, right? Does it did it set up a good mystery? I'm interested enough, but I don't remember how much this one cost. Oh, it was six ninety nine. Um it's a double issue. It's like forty four pages. But I'm not interested enough to spend another seven dollars to get like okay. the second part and i'm assuming this is probably gonna be like a three issue like prestige thing because then they can just collect it one hardcover one for it, each boom like 20 bucks you get and you get one story. story for each joker like we saw the joker yeah. that harassed uh jason, jason todd. todd in this one next one's probably be barbara gordon and then the one the final one being the one that's i didn't like the interactions between most of the interactions between Batman, Red Hood, and Batgirl, they didn't feel right. Even like when when Red Red Hood's in the ambulance and he's threatening that guy, and then Batman comes in, and he's like, "What are you doing? I'm doing this." Well, that's not a good way to do it. Like, and then he apologizes for him. He gives him the shot. And then he's like, hey, you know, I'm still pretty proud of you. Like, all the conversation, just just nothing was right. And even when... Like, Batman, he had an antidote the whole time, and yet you just waited for the ambulance like a chump? It it didn't make any sense. What are you doing? Like, why didn't you get in the ambulance and give him the antidote in the bag? Like, when they first picked him up? Think about this, the driver of that ambulance is like, what the hell's going on? There's a fight going on in the back, and then a woman comes up on a motorcycle and blows out his tire to stop the thing. Like it just none of that made sense. Did the did the radio did the cops uh, like CB? Hey, uh, so you're gonna have Batman and Batgirl uh, tailing you, you know, basically uh, corral you, tail you to to the hospital just because we're afraid that something. Something uh, skeevy's going on, and then like guy. the little guy that li- um, the little guy that shows up when they're in the aquarium, and then like Batman's okay with Red Hood shooting the glass and the shark eating that dude. Like again, it's like, yep. oh, hey, you shouldn't have, shouldn't yep, have killed that guy. Instead, like they make a crack about it. Like they're just. <laughs> And all that poisonous gases are being released, <laughs> and he's just like Dracula coughing, you know, with his hood. Like, wait, what, aren't you getting out the bat, bat respirator? Like, it's weird. For and then he's just like, gas? I gotta go, guys. You know, handcuff him, search him, wait for the cops. Bye. And then, you know, go, goes off. 
it just well is are they setting it up that Batman knew that the Red Hood would kill him or was kind of like he's going to give him the chance to kill him because he could and then still like be able to walk away from it kind of like how they set up the well when's the last time you missed Barbara and I'm like whoa code names come on wearing a uniform but also they- what? On that note, too, like this does like touch on the same thing that kind of bothers me. Where Batman and Batgirl are talking to Commissioner Gordon and Harvey Bullock, and they walk away, and then Batgirl and Bruce are talking afterwards, and he's like, "Does he know you're Batgirl?" And he's like, "No, he's just distracted by everything." It's like, "I'm sorry, you guys aren't my kids, but if I saw you wearing a bat mask at some point, like, hey, John, what's up? Why are you wearing that mask? Like, I didn't raise you." And I would still recognize you just because, like, the top half. I know comic book logic, but it's when they have to, like, point out those moments where, like, does he know? It's like, well, you have those moments. Even Paul's going to go, Paul gives Scott if he's going to go get a, a ski mask or something and put it on. Um, he is. Holy crap, it's Batman. Oh, Batman's on the show, guys! <laughs> Uh, uh, he, oh, uh, listeners at home, Paul can't keep his glasses on, wear a Batman mask, and put his headphones back on because it just doesn't work. Nope, there's too much stuff on my cranium. Uh, we should have had you do the dramatic reading, Paul. <laughs> I tried. Um, I don't know. I didn't hate it though. Like I, it's. It's not terrible. Like I would read number two, but I'm not going to spend another seven bucks to go down that path for a story that ultimately, like, it doesn't matter. And you could say that about even stuff like the Earth One graphic novels. But those are ones that I, I like reading. I enjoy seeing them, you know, play out. I'm excited for reading Wonder Woman next month when I do my trading policy. I'm looking forward to picking up Green Lantern Volume Two. I I dig those. I just wish these black label stuff were kind of hitting that same note because I feel like this is just another like, DC imprint that's it's not going to be around. Like, this is well, it's already canceled. Oh, was it really? <laughs> yeah, during the calling of all the over oh, like they canceled like, like well, even house. Okay. even how many? Like, I mean, how many of these black labels canceled. were there? There was what. Was this one the Wonder Woman one? I think there was the John, well, the John Constantine, Constantine one, was right? in. He was in that Batman, right? The Damned, but there was also I think there was a Constantine or Hellblazer series. I don't know. As well. um, I'm, I'll just do this, some quick Google foo. But all I know is while you're doing Google foo, I'm going to grab another beer before we get into our last two books. I, I can pick up another one too. And I do have the list of Black Label stuff, because there's actually more than I thought. Because there's the Batman White Knight, which actually was supposed to be pretty good. That's the one by Sean Murphy. Uh, Batman Dam, Batman Last Night on Earth, Superman Year One, Batman Curse of the White Knight, Harleen, Joker Killer Smile, which I think we picked up the first one of that. Also didn't like it. Uh, Dark Knight Returns, The Golden Child, Birds of Prey, The Last God was part of the Black Label. Thing, which we talked about that on the show. Didn't mind that one. Uh, Batman's Smile Killer, Joker and Harley, Criminal Sanity, Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, The Question, The Deaths of Vic, Vic Sage, which we read that one, didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, 
And there are still some upcoming ones that they have listed. Uh, among them, American Vampire 1976 by Scott Snyder. And that comes out in two weeks. So, Actually, it comes out when this airs. It does it really? One week. October 6th, yeah. Uh, then there's the Rorschach book by Tom King. Uh, a Sweet Tooth book by Jeff Lemire. Batman, Catwoman by Tom King. And then a Wonder Woman history uh, book about the Amazons by Kelly Sue DeConnick. So, I mean, there is some other stuff coming out, but... I- yeah, ultimately, like, nothing that's great. I mean, American Vampire, like, I would check that one out. But that's just based off the pedigree of the original American Vampire series by Scott Snyder and Raphael. I can Albert. see, like, like, this, the label spinning out from, like, Tom King's Mr. Miracle. Like, it's a really good Mr. Miracle book. It's not really in continuity. And it, it could give it the realms to go a little darker if it well, wanted to. And that's a perfect... Would you prefer... To see this as like uh, almost like the DC version of like Marvel's Max line, or kind of like what Vertigo was meant to be, where it's telling those darker stories, but it's not meant. To, I don't want to say take place in the DC universe, but it's kind of removed, so it's not something like you know, mom or dad will just buy Jimmy yeah. when they go to like the store, like oh, let me pick up Batman. It should be oh, like oh. a prestige. It should just be a prestige line. It shouldn't be like you got to see Bat Dick and you got to have Red Hood shoot the Joker in the head. Like I don't think it needs to be that. And some of those books that you listed, like the Sweet Tooth, you know, Jeff Lemire is coming back to do a Sweet Tooth. Like that's an interesting place to put that book uh, in the Black Label. Because I guess Vertigo doesn't exist anymore, but to have a place for people to, I have a really good idea, but it doesn't fit in continuity. We we can do it over here. Like come come and play in this sandbox because we'll let you do whatever. And so, but still give them the chance to use those characters and play yeah. in that universe, but it doesn't have to be yeah. so far removed. And that. you don't have yeah. to show Bat Dick, like <laughs> you know. But I think that's like the. Brian Azzarello, like Frank Miller, like, well, how can we, how can we show them? Like we're different. We're big. We're going balls out. We don't care. Like it seemed like it just had to be one of those things that were like, no, we're going to, we're going to flop yeah. it on the table. Read it or don't get on it. But like, like especially Brian Azzarello, he's a good enough writer and he's done enough things where it's, you don't have to be like, Hey, check me out. His name alone would sell you on a book, you know. Him going like, "Oh, Brian Azzarello writing a, a a Batman book." Oh yeah, I I would check it out. I don't think you need. It should be a place where it's big name artists taking over something. Even this, Jeff Johns writing a Batman story about three Jokers, that sells the book enough that it doesn't have yeah. to be overly violent. It doesn't have to be is you know crazy and this book isn't is ultimately isn't that violent there is violence in it and it is a little somewhat a little more brutal than a normal comic book but it's not selling itself on being the rated r batman book yeah because even to touch on those points like paul said before we've seen you know thomas and martha wayne killed multiple times not just in the comic books, but every single cartoon or movie that's come up, video games, like it's just omnipresent. It's always there. We've seen Jason Todd get bludgeoned with the crowbar 
multiple times, same thing. Like, there's nothing really done in this book that's not something that you haven't seen just in the DC universe proper. So it doesn't need to exist in the form that it's in, except for the fact that they just want it to be an Elseworlds story. And at that point, why don't you just have the Elseworlds label again? Like, just have Black Label be that. And Last God, just have Last God be a Vertigo book. Like, or not Vertigo, but, you know, like, just have that be just another another book that you published because that was really good. Me too. I'm drinking uh, the Froth Star Dog. Uh, you said you didn't really love that one, right? No, I didn't. So I forgot, like, the one guy at work, he like, oh, you like these craft beers, and he gave me one because he didn't like it at all. And I tasted it, and I'm like, ooh, it's, it's a little much. But I don't think I ever had it on the show, so. I do want to say, like, before we go on to the next book, the art in in the book is great. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. It's a, it's a good-looking book. The three Chokers are very distinct. Like, you can yeah. tell which one's which. Like, they do a good job. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things like I want to. I want to make sure we say it. I want to make sure we say it. But we got guess what? We, we said it now. We said it now. <laughs> it it I'm exists. Gonna let, I'm going to let the listeners in on this like little behind the scenes of us hey, talking while okay. we're pouring our beer. I'm, a, no, I'm about not. to sneeze. So. <laughs> excuse me. Your your excuse. Bless you. Thank you. I, oh, I, I'm blessed every time I get to talk to you guys. Aww. Hashtag blessed. But I, I think it is a good-looking book. I mean, despite like the issues with the storytelling and just how it, you know, it literally just, it doesn't it, need to exist as a as a story. Like, yeah, and it's, it's, when it's, it's not, packaged up as a standalone thing, I think it'll go well on the shelf as its own like story that happened. It, it could, but I don't know. At that point, I mean, we talked about, you know, our favorite Batman crossovers before, you know, and it's, I would rather read, you know, Nightfall, No Man's Land, Cataclysm, like all that before I would go to this. And if I need to pick like that prestige format, Batman book that I'm going to be reading. Long Halloween. Long Halloween, Dark Victory, Year One. Batman Earth 1, Batman Earth 1 Volume 2, which is the better one. Or even something like Brian Azzarello's Joker book, if I want that kind of like harder edge take on like the Gotham universe. Uh, Gotham Central, like if I need that, you know, police drama, like there's better Batman books out there that still like matter. Well, I was going to say, you know, this because this is going to be that evergreen title that's going to be on Barnes and Noble or you know whatever borders or whatever bookstore is going to be still around two years from now. None of them. Amazon. Um, It'll be Amazon. You know, where if somebody that isn't reading continuity or will never be interested in reading continuity, but will be interested in reading a Batman story, I could see this being their Batman. You know, somebody that watched Batman 60. But it's that's a dying breed of person, too. The person that watched Batman 66, 
Batman the Animated Series and watch the Batman movie, you know, Batman movies with Jokers in them. Uh, okay, well, you got Batman 89 and then Dark Knight. Uh, so those are two very different Jokers. So, you know, but also then again, this plays upon you knowing about a lot of comic book yeah. runs. So it's not for them either. And it doesn't seem like it's for us. So who's it for? Because you're right. If if I went to Barnes and Noble not knowing Batman and I just want to read a Batman story right now, like I know the movies, I know some things about Batman. This doesn't work. Yeah. Well, but you would buy it because you're like three Jokers. Yeah, but without without knowing but Death in the Family, without knowing Batman, um, the Killing Joke, like. I think those are things that are maybe a little bit more available to the public than we, you know, give them credit for because it's in the cartoons, it's in the video games, it's in like the um, it's in like the like the, the direct yeah like the direct to like DVD animated oh. features like they have like a Killing Joke one they have. You know the, the death in the family yeah. one coming out. Like these are things that are out there now, and I don't want to like accuse us of gatekeeping. I think we are just asleep at the post, maybe because it, this seems to be maybe something that people are a little bit more aware about now, just because it is out there. Like it's no longer like, hey, I if I want to find out about Batman, I have to go pick up, you know, a bunch of. Trades, uh, trades or graphic novels or back issues. I can just go on to Wikipedia and read the history of the Red Hood. You know, I don't have to even read, you know, the Return of the Red Hood arc. I can just click on Red Hood's character biography and see, like, oh, like Judd Winnick brought the character back during this arc. Like, it's all kind of laid out there, and it's maybe just a little bit easier to get into now. And they might just know, like, oh, people are confused, like. Just Google, like, I can ask my Google Home, like, smart. Yeah, hey, smart speaker. Yeah. hey, Google, like, who's the Red Hood? And they'll say, like, I had to be quiet because I didn't want to actually pick it up. Little Red Riding Hood was a character created by <laughs> with the Brothers Grimm. Yeah, it could be a Fred Arbison commercial, Paul Chris. Um, no, I... I I'm just afraid that it's going to be hit those parts of Noble shelves uh, with a shrink wrap around it, being like, "You should read first. I, you, I think this got a sticker on it. More on that end cap where it's like, "Oh, like essential Joker reading," where it'll be like this and the Brian Azzarello like graphic novel, and maybe like Under the Red Hood, things like that. Yeah, and this is all saying in Paul, right? This is. Yeah, 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 I think so. In show, even though we said uh, we were pausing, John wrote down the time and everything. I didn't want him yeah. to. Uh, the art's great in it. I know we mentioned it briefly, but it really is, and it's very, um, it's it's very reminiscent of um, like Gary Frank. Yeah, I can see that. You know, because I even like I stopped halfway through to check to check because I was like, well, this this looks, it's in the eyes how Gary Frank draws the eyes, and the you have that a lot. Too. Yeah, and I was just like, mm, I had to double check, and um, 
No, the art the art is superb in this book. There's Who's the artist again? Uh, Jason Fabic. Wow. Who's done some Batman stuff before? I want to say he did some detective comments. I'm not 100% sure, though. I don't know. I, I don't recognize that name at all. So that's why I went, wow. Um, can, um, I can let you know in a second. Uh, he's done work on Batman, Batman Rebirth, Batman Eternal, Batman Incorporated, okay. Batman the Dark Knight, Batwing, uh, Dark Knight's Metal, Deathstroke, Detective Comics, Detective Comics, uh, Green Arrow, The Flash, Justice League, Justice League International, Man of Steel, Soulfire, Suicide Squad, uh, The Swamp Thing Winter Special, some Batman Superman, some stuff on Superman. So he's, he, I think, well-versed in the DC universe, so him handling this character is probably not outside his his wheelhouse. Yeah, he did a great job. I, I definitely agree. I think the, the book looks better than it reads. Yes. Um, and that'll take us into our... What's uh, the next book you want to do, Chris? You want to do... Uh... Uh, well, let's, since we finished two books, let's talk about our final beer, and then we'll do the oh. last two books that we got. Uh, I'm drinking from Froth, a beer that I think we talked about briefly on the show, and but never gave a full review. This is... Uh, Ross Brewing, who's a new player in, the, in uh, the Buffalo area. This is their Star Dog. It's their double IPA. But it's not just this double IPA. It's uh, ooh, it's brewed with citra hops, and then boysenberries are added, and also marshmallow. And this is a very sweet dessert beer. This is 8.2 uh, alcohol percent by volume. So I'm probably not going to finish it. Uh, I had one can of this already, like, weeks ago when I went to Froth. Uh, when I got home, and I'm like, oh, right, it's this beer. It's a very dessert beer. I would put it up in that sweetness range of that uh, Southern Tier Creamsicle. Okay. Like, it's that kind of heavy sweetness that it's hard to get through. Uh, you get a bunch of that Citra plus boysenberry up front, that very fruity, and then it just leaves you with the sticky sweetness. Uh, very vanilla on the aftertaste. Um, if you really like the creamsicle and are looking for different versions of that, maybe you would really like the Star Dog. I was looking for just a forward, uh, straightforward double IPA when I ordered it, a four pack when I went there. Um, they weren't, you know, they weren't open for any kind of seating, weren't opening for any kind of tastings. All you could do was go in, buy uh, canned beer from them, and leave. Um, and they just had it listed as a double IPA. And I'm like, oh, it's a brewery. I'm here. Let's try their double IPA. This is not that, like, standard flagship double IPA that I thought I was getting into. This is a Frankenstein beer. It's a dessert beer. It's not what you would then compare it, you know, their double IPA to anything else. This is its own piece. Uh, John, have you had this before? I haven't had that one, but they are super well known for their desserty, super super fruited sours and dessert beers. I've had lots of stuff from them. I've had some crazy sours that are absolutely amazing. Um, and like to me, going in there, I 
I would kind of be like, I would look for what to expect off of that. Like, you just went in, you saw double IP, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. I would have gone in knowing that it's probably not going to be just your average beer because their average beers haven't really been selling. It's they're going over the top on a beer that's been their bread and butter right now. And there'll be, I think, two, a two-year-old brewery soon. I uh, I have a peanut butter chocolate stout crawler in my fridge that I just, you know, I'm just waiting for the opportune time to open it. A, you know, bag and pork trivia night or something like that. Because it's, you know, it's a crawler. And once you open it, you kind of have to drink it. Like, there's no good way to save a crawler, right? No. Well, you got to save it in your belly, right, Chris? You got to save it in your belly. That's the only, that's the only way to do it. And Chris, what's in your belly right now? Uh, well, I hear my, it's better that, better than pumpkin. And that's the thing. Like when I said that, I was like hesitant to. And this is also a pumpkin beer, and that's kind of why I put these on like the same level. Uh, but this is coming from Tampa Bay Brewing Company, and this is Gorbs Gone Wild. Mm. Uh, this is a pumpkin ale. Trying to find ABV real quick. If I can't, it's 6.0. Uh, if you take just that spiciness out of something like pumpkin, but you replace it with just like a nice vanilla richness, make it a little bit lighter because it's not imperial. That's what you get with the Gorgs Gone Wild. It's just very light and just like a nice, rich, like, like, burnt caramel on the back end. Like it's really good. I didn't ultimately put it over uh, pumpkin because pumpkin again, forever going to be what I approach all other pumpkin beers as, but it's different enough that I can say I like it because it has more of a sweetness to it. It's not all just that pumpkin spice, cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice overload. It's just a nice, delicious, I don't want to call it a dessert beer because it's not like that sweet, but real nice vanilla right off that back end there. I like I like it a lot. This might be my number two pumpkin beer. I know it wasn't a pumpkin beer, but the Buddha um, sweet potato pie or sweet potato pie? Oh, the funky Buddha. Yeah, yeah, that that was really I, you know. Because pumpkin's a yam beer. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know, put that that's, out. There. That's not that hot of a take. Like, when and, you check uh, into it, it says, like, pumpkin yam beer. Like, Yeah. Uh, so I thought that Funky Buddha was better than pumpkin. That sweet potato pie, you know, that sweet potato casserole or yeah. whatever it was called. That was really good, especially with that marshmallow, that, you know, kind of some sweet vanilla uh, I... on it. I know that's like one of their seasonal offerings. Like they put that out every year, but I don't think I've had that one for maybe two or three years now. Um, okay. But is that in the top three, top four, top five? I would, I would honestly have to go back to that one before I can okay. say it. I, and I'm putting this as like number two because I'm literally drinking it right now, right after a pumpkin. <laughs> um, okay. So and, it is a little bit of pressure in mind. Like, and also describe to me uh, Euro Pills from South Tierra, a beer that I completely I mean, Euro Pills, it was... John mentioned it. It was uh, crisp, uh, pretty clean tasting. Uh, a little, little hoppy. It was kind of 
kind of bright. It had some pinks, some yellows pink, in there. Pink, yeah, it's pink. Um, yeah, I, I would even be able to tell you the difference between like unearthly and like I'm trying to blank. I'm thinking like like Gemini IPA. Like, well, Gemini didn't have. Wasn't Gemini unearthly and something else like blended together? It was a filtered and unfiltered version of it. Okay, yeah. Again, I haven't had that one in like eight years. So, um, but if I can find uh, the sweet potato casserole, I don't know when they put it out. I'm assuming it's around this time of year, between September and November. I will gladly try that one again because I know I did love it. Uh, but no, as of right now, man, this one's it's just sitting right. Like I'm glad. I'm ending on this one because it's that that right amount of sweetness. It's it's cleaning up after that uh, pumpkin spice. John and and I'm drinking from the other half of my Circle the Wagons pack, um, a Buffalo style IPA, six point five percent New England IPA. It looks hazy. It tastes hazy. Oh, that looks and real hazy. And it's um, a really nice drinking beer. This this pack is a really nice pack. Like I said, it's a four pack. You get two Pilsners, two IPAs in it. They're twelve ninety nine, and it's <laughs> it's just something nice that you would take to a party, and you could drink two or four of them during the game, and be happy. The IPA is really nice. The Pilsner's really crisp, cleans your palate. Both would go great with pizza and wings or barbecue, whatever you're doing at your uh, the Bills game that you're or football game. Um, I I like them both a lot. I'm pleasantly surprised. I have to say, Resurgence has been putting out great IPAs for the last I don't know six months or so, and. I wasn't too worried about that. I was a little more worried about the Pilsner and I mean, both of them just really nice in this pack. So can you do me a favor? Can you hold it up again? Cause I want to get one more look at it. Cause when you held it up the first time, it reminds me of when you buy the, and I haven't done this for like decades, the frozen can of like the concentrated orange juice. <laughs> if you were to just pour that into your jug, and then just add one can of water, not like the four that it calls for. That's that's what it reminds me of because it's just it's a real thick, like like a super pulp OJ. It looks like yeah, it looks like pulpy OJ. Uh, tastes it tastes great. It tastes like a really good New England. Like you're not getting super blown out by the hops. Like it's not super double dry hopped. You know, crazy. It's just a really nice IPA. It's good. It's I. It's definitely worth the the price of emission. Like twelve ninety nines for these for these beers. I think is a great price. Uh, John earlier said you know football season. It's okay. You live in Bills country. He <laughs> can just say Bills football. Buffalo Bills, you know. Uh, I mean, I went no, to a, number one fan base in the country. So, yep. Hey. I went to a Dick Sporting Goods recently, and uh, Ooh, they have a Mr. Sign. Fancy Boy. Yeah, uh, I was looking for disc golf this, and they had a sign that said, uh, "You know, does uh, any team, uh, any time," and 
the I'm assuming the employees taped uh, taped an X over it with like Bill's like style Scotch tape and said, "Not here. This is Bill's country. Uh, Bill's country, Buffalo Bills." Like, were they for- selling? Like collapsible tables underneath it. Oh, uh, you know, I think they just wrote the uh, down the aisle number. Gotcha. Collapsible and, and their camping gear. It's like uh, go over in your camping gear. That's where collapsible tables are. Um, so even even the uh, national team sporting goods knows where they are. John, so it's okay. There you go. I wore a mask the whole time that I was there. The whole time. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, you told me you said I was the same fancy pants. <laughs> what does that have to do with you not wearing a mask? Well, you said I was. A, I thought you meant I was the fancy pants because I left the house and went into a store. No, oh, you're going to Mister Dick's Sporting Goods over here, buying his his discs for throwing at trees. They didn't have any. They didn't have any. They had. They, they had sl- the basket sold to out. Throw at it. Just not- I, I think they stopped carrying it. I don't know. All I know is we need to start reviewing some comic books that Chris bought and we've read and didn't spend the money on because I was too busy spending money on flying discs for disc golf that I can throw at trees, as John said. Well, Next time I hit tree, I'm going to swear at you. But, I mean, the, the whole thing that. is, Paul's just so fancy after he throws it, he doesn't pick it up. He just he just buys a new one at Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> um, but guys, you're right. We're talking about comic books. And the last I, time I was able to buy a disc, it was at a local shop. Here for Adventure, the village of Hamburg, second location up near uh, Premium Wine and Liquor or Premium Gourmet. Are any of these places going to sponsor us? No. <laughs> but but I th- they're they're awesome, and I've been going them to them for years. Support them, please, if you live in the Hamburg or uh, Amherst area. Talk but now you as well. You miss a fancy boy. You go to Dick's. I went in there because I was nearby, and I'm like, oh, maybe they'll have some discs. They don't. They really don't. So, dreaming, huh? Uh, I was, was going to say, uh, when it comes to Paul, it's discs for show, dicks for a pro. I don't know. <laughs> Gut, uh, you know, guns for show, knives for pros. Anyways, uh, I'm going to go with a new book. And again, both of these are new, but one of them's like a brand new franchise that came out. And this is coming from Boom Studios, written by Tom Taylor, with art by Danielle DiNiculo. This is Seven Secrets, number one. Uh, guys, we live in a crazy world. And apparently there's a bunch of secrets and wonders that we're not even able to know. Like, they're kept under lock and key in a suitcase. Well, there's seven wonders. There's, se- there's seven of them. Of they're, the natural world. They're held by a, a, a holder, and the holder is protected by a keeper. And we're getting a glimpse at the lives of said keepers and holders from one of their offspring, known as Casper, who shouldn't exist because keeping the secret is your primary goal. So in a way, it kind of reminds me of uh, Image Comics Saga, where you're seeing like a flashback to your main character's parents telling their story in the lead up and this is where we're going to lose paul because he doesn't like saga hasn't read it but first trade right off the bat excuse me starting to get a little bit congested here seven secrets just kind of comes out swinging 
you're given the bare bones on what this world is, but that's kind of all you need to know because you're just watching, uh, watching how things unload. And it's, it's the other, it's the other side of a heist movie. It, it is like you're watching somebody get invaded and then them escaping. Uh, and you're seeing this again, the story of, uh, a keeper known as Ava and then her, oh no, I'm sorry. New comic book, new, uh, new lexicon, a holder known as Ava and then her keeper, keeper known as, uh, Seagard and just how things can go wrong and maybe how they can go right. And I'm, I'm really into this book and I know that that's not a lot to talk about just to give you the premise, but it's more action than plot and just wanting to see how their story plays out and how it resolves to their child, which basically gets surrendered to the order because that's the only way that the child's going to be able to stay around because their orders are protect your secret or, or go. And they, they swore an oath. Where this is my favorite book that we read. It's, it's mine too. Uh, where this book ends, I kept wanting it to go and where Shazam, I kept thinking it was ending and it kept going. Like it, it just, it saddened me that I didn't have more of this book. Uh, I think the art's great. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the world. I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, highest praise for this book that I didn't even see come out. Like I didn't even know about this book. So you said we were going to review it. Uh, I, saw when I was doing my picks for the list <clears throat> and I was like, okay, like that sounds kind of cool. Tom Taylor, he's done some other stuff that we've picked up and it's always been like a decent read, like never really like, loved any of it, never hated it. But I, I really love this book and like going through it, reading it. And then like now just kind of flipping through it as uh, we were talking about our beers. It's very manga-esque. Like, everything about the panel layouts, the action in the panels, it reminds me Character just... Character design. Yeah, it's just, like, an American manga. And I hope this book keeps going for a while, because I can see this becoming Boom's saga. Like, this is the book that's like, oh, you're not reading Seven Secrets? Like, get on board. Like, they're they're that good. The art reminded me of like Rat Queens and um, Luther Strode, like uh, yeah. those books. And uh, and I like those books, and I like those the art in those books. So I, I, everything about it, I liked it a lot. I thought it was okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. You know, it, it because it was just like so helter skelter. Like you're in it, you're you're either grabbing on and going. Or you're constantly trying to grasp at it and catch up. And I felt like you guys, okay, you guys grabbed on and were going with it. And I constantly felt like I was trying to just find a footing with it. Like, And that's oh, okay, how you felt okay, about Saga, too. Like, 
It's the kid that's talking about it. Okay, you know, I'm, what, five, six pages in. Now I understand who's the narrator. And then I'm like, okay, what are these seven secrets? Wait, they talk about their seven natural, like, wonders. There's, like, okay, so seven's a recurring thing, but they don't really talk about seven anymore. And so I kept on getting into my own head with where I'm trying to figure out what the story's telling me instead of just, like, going along with the ride. So it's me getting in the way of enjoying it, and I know it's just me getting in the way of it. But unfortunately, I'm I'm me. Like, so I, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like I can stop being me in order to enjoy the story. Because, you know. So I, you're, you're I, you. Yeah. So I kept, kept on trying to grasp at where they were going instead of just grasping on to where they were and enjoying the ride. Um, so, yeah, I just, it, it just didn't hook me. I, I had nothing for this book. Um, I, he I, doesn't like Saga, too, and it's a very know. similar book, so because, I wonder if that, just, would, that type of book they just have doesn't kids? Why have a kid? Why do that to yourself? Like, why? Uh, I'm pretty sure, to do something. Paul, I'm pretty sure it wasn't planned. I'm pretty sure they had oh. some boom boom and the boom boom caused the baby well even like the this I, book I, is set in modern times there's modern advances that can keep that from happening i know i had it done <laughs> this but even pointing at down and I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the character like, um i have the book closed out so i can't go back flip through but the woman that's kind of like leading the the trap room is like, oh, you think this is the first time this has happened? Like, no, like in thousands of years <laughs> yeah. where we put two people in a very intense situation together. Uh, much like Saga, there's a humanity to this book that just kind of playing out like a crazy world. Uh, granted, Saga is a little bit more crazy because it is involving, you know, magic and aliens and fantasy and, Bounty hunters and like a lot of weirdness, but I think if you're a fan of Saga, this book should be something that you check out. Uh, I just bought issue number two. I look forward to reading it tomorrow on the lunch break. Like I'm, I'm pumped. Like I can continue on the story because this is going to be one of my one of my go tos now. Whether it stays there or not, we'll see. But for now, like yeah, sign me up. I'm glad you got this because I would have bought issue two, Um, and like there's those scenes too, like just now thinking about it, like the scene where she's like, where are you? And he's like, I'm, what is it? Siegfried is like, oh, I'm still in here. And she's like, do I got to come back and save you again? He's like, no, you need to go. So-and-so's here. Yeah, like, I have the one chance to try to stop him. I'm going to take it. Tell Casper, I love him find the box in my room in Venice, give it to him. Like he has those moments and you can see that she's crying and he has this moment where he's going to go and try to stop him, try to kill him. And then even then, even the bad guy's like, you know, I try to get him the information out of you, but I know you're not going to do it. So, and he kills him. It's a good villain. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, it's a good death. And it's a death that also, like, it's one of those deaths that didn't have to happen, but it's still a good death. Unlike, like, Man of Steel, when Pa Kent dies, 
not a good death. Like, doesn't make any sense why that happens. But this one made more sense. There's, you do sometimes when you're on a job, you do things in order to try to, you know, try to make things work, even though you know it's not going to work. Like, you you unplug and plug back in the computer, even though you know it's it could, not going to actually it solve hurt. anything. It could, though. It could. And you're going to waste five minutes doing it, even though you know it's not going to work. You know, there's things that you do that don't, that you know, at the very end of the day, it didn't make a difference. And all it did was cost you time. And this dad, guy did it. He He's like, I'm going to take my shot. I probably won't do it. But you know what? Maybe maybe it'll work. Maybe it but works. He, That'd be awesome. He, and he's also going to put more distance between them and her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I that, killed off like a good ten minutes of my shift <laughs> by unplugging the computer and plugging it back <laughs> in. I got ten minutes closer to clocking uh, so, out. I mean, he was just running out the clock, win. so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That tracks. Uh, I, I really like the book. No, I'm I'm glad because this is just one of those things like I saw it was a new number one and it was by a writer that I knew. And again, like the art's very energetic, very manga-esque. Um, blanking on the name, clicking back into it. Uh, Danielle Dindaculo, who's done some work for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers book, also coming out from Boom Studios. Uh, it's, it's a good looking book. Like, it's a it's a pilsner of books. It's crisp. It's clean. You know, it does what it needs to do. It's anime style. Yeah, it's it's all right. Uh, uh, can we get to my favorite book? Of the book? Oh, really? This was. I mean, we already talked about the rest of the books, but I'm surprised because uh, our next book coming out from DC Comics, and this is part of their Sandman universe line. Uh, but we have the Dreaming Waking Nightmare number one, written by. I don't think I'm wrong to say this. One of waking, podcast waking hours, waking hours. Sorry. Uh, podcast favorite writer, G Willow Wilson. I think she was like our favorite writer, like two or three years what? ago when we did our Metro bracket, uh, with her work black, on Miss Marvel. Part of the black label. Is it? Yeah. Is this black label? Oh God. We just <laughs> talked about this. I didn't even see it. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, probably. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Is it? Oh, I'm printing up the cover. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it does say Black Label right on the bottom there. Just, yeah, just make it up. Swords or Vertigo. I think this, that's fine. Well, I think, yeah. Uh, but written by G. Willow Wilson, just... art by Nick Robles. Uh, and this is spinning out of the dreaming book that's going on over in DC Comic Books right now. And you're learning about one of the Lord of Dream, Daniel's new nightmares, uh, who's known as Ruin. And much in Sandman way, this book's really telling the story of a person telling a story. And in this case, you're seeing like a graduate student who's writing her like dissertation on Shakespeare and how Shakespeare could have been written by different writers and just like what each person's brought to the Shakespeare title and the stories. Uh, and it's Lindy falling asleep. And interacting with Ruin, who just wants to follow her into the actual waking world. He does so, but in doing so, traps her in the dreaming world, where she's now interacting with a bunch of writers who 
could be Shakespeare or have ghostwritten Shakespeare. Uh, and now it's going to be up to him to protect her child and do things right while Daniel, the Lord of Dream, and Lucian now have to find out who let Ruin out of like the nightmare box because they didn't escape. They were released. It's a Sandman book. Uh, so yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, I really like this because recently I listened to a podcast all about the authorship of uh, Shakespeare and how Shakespeare, the dude from history, probably didn't write Shakespeare because the guy owned like no books. The guy never traveled outside of Europe, uh, England. He was just a actor that was in that troupe, and but and all the plays like attributed to him were released like were attributed to him after his own death. Like, and there's also like a coded message actually at his uh, grave site that tells you to like seek, if you want to find the famous playwright, like go to a different tombstone. Like he's not here. Like all this different stuff. It's a great conspiracy. And uh, National Treasure 3. There you go. Start writing it. (laughs) International. Uh, The person that I actually believe is the writer of all Shakespeare's work is a uh, lord named De Beers, and he's the actual that got kicked out of the court because he made fun of you know the royal court in his own his writings. And as soon as he got kicked out of his court that same year, guess who starts writing plays? Shakespeare. That also made fun of the royal court. Um, so there you go. But for whatever reason, De Beers doesn't show up in the stream yet. Yet. Yes. But I'm very interested to see where this goes. Kind of because of that. Uh, that's why I might have enjoyed it as much as I did, just because I'm fascinated by this whole topic of, you know, who actually is Shakespeare, who actually wrote the plays of Shakespeare, and that's what the dissertation's all about. Uh, the Nightmare just being like, I'm a slump. <laughs> yeah. And like, whoops. Oh, I, I wanted to do this, and I kind of did it. But also kind of like screwed everything up in the process. Like we've all been there. I've been there plenty of times. So I feel for the guy. Well, it's I'm in with ruin. And it's kind of and also, because we do see some of the Sandman Morpheus, the previous Sandman to Daniel. Some of his nightmares in like volume two of the actual Sandman series that came out in the eighties with the Carpathian. And he's just, a fucking monster. He's like terrible. Like when he escapes, it's no, like we need to get this guy. Cause we don't know what he's going to do he's in the actual killer. real world. Like it's, he's, he's got to go. Uh, and like to see ruin, he's just like, you said, like, yeah, he's just a slut. Like, he's just like, Oh shit. Like didn't mean to do this. I got this baby now. Like, what am I going to do? There's a beauty to this book. And the fact that it's not being written by Neil Gaiman, but like Willow Wilson's able to like ape that Sandman style so well, this fits alongside everything else that I have on my shelf over there in the Sandman universe that I'm not going to buy number two because I know this is something that I need to have on my shelf right over there. Like, because I'm going to read this book and reread it and read the rest of the Sandman stuff and then reread this because 
this, this is a Sandman book, guys. Is G. Willow Wilson writing any – did she write any of the other Sandman books? I think she launched? did um, – was it oh, The House of that, uh, Whispers? Let me um, – Because I really enjoyed this book too. And I'm in the middle of the Audible Sandman um, play or whatever you want to call it, audio play. And uh, like I – the, I read the narrator as Neil Gaiman, who's the narrator in the audio play. Like I read it with his voice and it felt just like I was reading a Sandman book. And actually it was at the end of the book that I realized that it wasn't written by Neil Gaiman. It was written by G. Willow Wilson. And I was like, Oh wow. Well, she did a great job nice. writing in that style. Um, there are questions I have for you, Chris, after the podcast, okay. just things I like because things I've missed. I, I don't know who Daniel is, so I want to okay. get that from you. Uh, but yeah, like I really liked it. I think the art's really good in the book. Um, my number two book of of the month. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, Paul stepped away for a moment. So if you want to have those questions asked and answered, now's the time because uh, Daniel is the new or current Sandman because the original Sandman series is kind of just based off the premise. Uh, and I love how Neil Gaiman put this, like, cause his elevator pitch for it was Morpheus, the Lord of the dreaming is given a choice change or die. And he makes his decision because so much of what the character has done in his past has led up to his ultimate downfall and while he's seeing it play out in front of him, he's just so resigned to the fact like, well, no, it is what it is. What happens, happens. This is just the path that we have to follow. Um, ultimately, he winds up dying. And then a child who was conceived in the dreaming realm becomes the new Sandman. And that's Daniel. Uh, the child, of, uh, Daniel, is actually born to Lita Hall. Who is Hector one of Hall. yeah yeah so it kind of ties into actual DC continuity because Sandman originally started off as a DC comic before they launched Vertigo because stuff like Swamp Thing, Sandman, and Hellblazer were just like too dark to exist in DC. So yeah, and Swamp Thing. He said Swamp Thing. Oh, he was sitting back down. He might have been getting situated, but yeah. Uh, no, he was there. Okay, I was. I was. I Sandman. I heard Sandman. Swamp Thing and Hellblazer. Uh, Those were like the three, like, the big three. That were like, okay, we're gonna. I bet. Watch this. It's okay. You, you have all like that long, luxurious hair blocking your uh, headphones. I'm gonna um, edit it all out. Do not, please, keep it. <laughs> uh, but Sandman's fantastic. I can't talk about it enough, and I look forward to actually getting to talk about the audio drama because I think it is worth reading the book, listening to the like audiobook, audio drama, play whatever you want to call it, and just seeing how it kind of matches up and like the feelings you get from it, because it's such a good book and the fact that the like uh audible thing is getting such high praise too is It's fantastic. Like it's just it's a lot and like I'll I'll do like an hour or two hours listening to it 
And then I, I you just got to kind of take a break. You know, you can't, it's just not something you're going to listen to all 11 hours straight through. Um, but I think it's amazingly done. I think I'm, I think I'm at the a little past the halfway mark. Um, but we just, one of the things I just listened to was the Hector, the Hector Hall bit. So that's why I was quick on that name. Yeah, you were right there with me. <laughs> I thought you just heard me say Lita Hall and you're like, oh yes, the Halls. Uh, yeah, no, no, we just, uh, just had that because it was in that he goes like, you can take the child, but the child is, he is mine and I will have use of him later. So it was interesting. It was interesting. The whole thing's great. Good to know. Um, like, for your guys's benefits, I have just purchased Sandman volume one preludes and nocturnes. Um, so that would be, I have it in, great. uh, in my account. That's so that's really creepy. It is that's like that's when it was more doc, uh, Doctor Destiny at the diner yeah, when he has to get his like uh, pieces of power. Mm-hmm. I forget what they call them, like his relics, pretty much. But yeah, uh, so John, you, you'll be able to go read that. Nice. Uh, and it's well, it's like I have no problem buying Sandman Volume One twice because it's it's deserving of every dollar and minute that people spend on that book. It's so good. Oh, looking right, John. Like John, trying trying to look like classic Paul. So, so John gave it away a little bit before. So did I. So we'll start with Paul. Power rankings: the four books that we have for this week. I'm going to go uh, dreaming. Waking hours, number one. It's my top book. Then, you know what? I'm kind of interested in the mystery that they're setting up with the three Jokers, but if I never read another one, I'm not going to like be like, oh, I can't believe I don't know it. Uh, Wikipedia entry will be just as fine as Batman, the three Jokers. Uh, number three is Seven Secrets. And <laughs> number four this is the book that I actually bought, Shazam, <laughs> number 14. It was promised to me that it was kept, it was Captain Marvel versus Superboy Prime. Seemed like it was going to be a lot of fun. I'm glad we got as much Superboy Prime as we did because that character deserves to be beaten up every I time. Mean, the best, the best moments of that book were the ones with Superboy yeah. Prime. But like, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's my power ranking. And even how they beat him in that book was stupid. <laughs> Everything was stupid in that book. John, because uh, you and I, I think, have the same, the same lineup. Um, it's uh, the Seven, the Dreaming, the Jokers. Shazam. Full agreement. Uh, so if you checked out any of these books, let us know. Or if there was something we missed out of on the month of August, let us know. Email us bangboardcast at gmail.com. Comment on the post for this podcast over on our Twitter, over on our Facebook, over on our Instagram. Follow us on the social medias. I'm trying to be better about keeping up on all that stuff because I like doing this podcast. I like making content for it. Give me a reason to continue doing so, everybody. Uh, but yeah, next week, are we doing uh, Old Painter 3-Way? Is that what it's going to oh, be? Oh, the trivia trifecta! Yeah, yeah, we're doing another pub trivia. Each one of us will be bringing a different category, subject, section to the table. Um, so it's really How fun points are this. rewarded and who will win? Who knows? So, points don't matter. That's the show. 